If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. In the world, I'm a black man, and that's the first thing I'm usually thinking about, right? Like, I wish actually that was the identity that I was thinking of right out the door that that was the main thing but really what it is is thinking about my black identity and relationship to my trans identity how those two interact and affect one another so in a perfect world we probably wouldn't need to have a trans day of visibility but as we have learned quite often this world is far from perfect and people still have a lot of things to learn about the trans community and the lgbtq plus community as a whole so it comes to reason that we're still going to have to do this and we get a better understanding of marginalized communities. Yeah, guys, tomorrow is International Trans Day of Visibility. And right here in Philly, the city is going to mark the day with a flag raising at City Hall at noon and a rally to show solidarity for trans rights. So today we're going to talk about some stories from the city's trans population, let you get to know a bit more about what it means to be trans and how you can support the community and also celebrate the trans community here in Philadelphia. We're going to talk with Darius McLean in a few minutes. He's the director of the Arcilla Adams Trans Resource Center and Empowerment Programs at the William Way Center here in Philadelphia. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. But first, the Philadelphia Bar Association is doing something really cool. Now, last week, it was announced that they are going to launch a pro bono, that's free, ladies and gentlemen, name change, clinic that's to cater to members of Philadelphia's LGBTQ community. Now, KYW's Community Impact reporter Raquel Williams covered this story for us, and she joins us now to talk about it. Raquel, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me back. So why did the Bar Association want to start this clinic? This is something that they wanted to start to make it easier for people of the LGBTQ community to go ahead and get this name change. Now, they're saying that, you know, some people may have the necessary resources to, you know, go through all the legal wranglings on their own, getting their petition filed and hiring an attorney to do this on their behalf. But a lot of people in the community, they're saying, face some barriers when it comes to that. So they're making it easy. It's a one-stop shop and they're able to just sign up and uh, get this thing done. I know this is not at all the same, but I wish I had a one-stop shop to help me when I changed my name after getting married. And right. that is a widely accepted reason to change your name. So I can only imagine how sure. challenging it is for the trans community. What are some of the services that this clinic is providing? Well, what they're going to do is it's a couple of things, and this is going to make it easier for the lawyers to be able to help people in the trans community make this name change. One, there's two parts to it. Lawyers, of course, in order to keep their licenses current, they have to take CLEs, which are continuing uh, legal education programs. So this is something that they'll be able to do right before this clinic so that they are learning how to provide culturally competent representation, let's say. And then once they're able to do that, they are ready to go ahead and engage in this clinic. The second part is, of course, uh, members of the trans community can go right ahead and sign up and they will join and be partnered with lawyers who will be able to help them to do that. Ian Evans from the Philadelphia Bar Association is one of the driving forces behind this. When you present identification documents that don't match your identity, it can lead to confusion. It can lead to shaming, discrimination, harassment. 
violence. Did you get a sense, Raquel, of how long launching this has been on the mind of the Philadelphia Bar Association or just how much of a demand they've seen for these types of services through a clinic like this? Yeah, they said that this is something that uh, that has been voiced uh, by the uh, trans community for some time. And this is the first one that they're doing. And they're saying that they are going to continue to do this on a regular basis because they they are seeing a, a, a demand uh, from the community to, you know, to do something. What's great is this is pro bono. If we didn't say that before, this is a pro bono name change clinic where they are not going to be charged and it's going to be completely free. Raquel Williams, thank you so much. Thank you. And let me also say that the clinic is on April 9th. And for those who need to sign up, all they have to do is go to philadelphiabar.org. Something, guys, that's been in the news a lot lately. Leah Thomas, the senior transgender swimmer at Penn. She's on the women's swimming team, and she shattered records this season and recently won a national championship in the NCAA. Her story really started to pick up steam over the winter, then exploded uh, the more and more that she won and had success on a higher stage. So it sparked this intensifying debate over the role of biological sex in sports, specifically at the youth and amateur levels in high schools and colleges and And yesterday, that debate formally reached Harrisburg. Representative Martina White, she's from Northeast Philly, and the Pennsylvania House Education Committee moved forward with a bill that would require all public schools, colleges, and universities to designate student-athletes based on biological sex, not the gender that these student-athletes identify themselves with. No one should be forcing biological females to compete against biological males. It is patently wrong and unfair. So this bill was introduced by five women, and it just passed in the committee stage on a party line vote. Not too surprising. On the other side of the argument, the PA House LGBTQ plus equality caucus has called the bill discriminatory. Mark Longetti is the co-chair of the Education Committee, and here's what he thought. Let's not become the School Sports Eligibility Standards Committee instead of the House Education Committee. In the end, it doesn't matter if this thing passes the full House. It's going to get vetoed by Governor Tom Wolf in a statement he's already said, hate has no place in Pennsylvania. Whether or not these things pass, it matters that we're talking about them and that this language is being used because it affects how people think. And especially when we're talking about kids who have the potential to grow up learning things differently. Sports is just one battleground where the trans community has to fight for their rights. Here in Philadelphia, the William Way Center has been a safe haven for members of the LGBTQ community for nearly 50 years. And we'll talk with Darius McLean, who runs William Way's Trans Resource Empowerment Program, coming up next. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And tomorrow is Trans Day of Visibility. It first started in 2009 and was formally recognized worldwide in 2015 as a day of raising awareness of discrimination towards transgender people. Now, here in the city of Philadelphia, the William Way Center will be marking Trans Day of Visibility by doing a virtual screening of a film called We're Still Here. Shamar is one of the voices featured in this documentary. When we say visibility or visible, we think sight, we think um, seeing But what I've come to know in my experience, all that you see is not all that there is. You have to see with more than your eyes when you're dealing with our community. Visibility is to see me with more than your eyes, to understand who I am and respect me for more than what is physically standing in front of me. 
because I come to you as a shell, but what I offer you is what's inside my heart and soul. We now welcome in one of the producers of We're Still Here, Darius McLean. Now, he's the director of the Arcilla Adams Trans Resource Center and Empowerment Programs at the William Way Center. So, Darius, thank you for coming on and joining us. Tell us about this film and what are some of the messages and themes that you hope to get across with it? That, you know, we're more than our trans identity. And, you know, sometimes I joke that I don't think about what visibility means until a bunch of cis people start asking us what it means to us, kind of like Black History Month or, you know, because it's all civil rights, right? And it's all, to me, tied back to colonization and patriarchism. I think about the Bell Hooks quote where she says feminism is for everyone. I think it applies here as well, right? Like we, and she talks about how you have to, um, within community, like as feminists, you have to address it within yourself as well. Uh, I think the same thing goes and that, you know, our identities are so much more to us where, you know, I, yeah, I, I often I'm like, okay, it's, it's trans visibility month. It's time to, to plan and, you know, tell people why they need to know that we're here. And like with any other marginalized group, we shouldn't have to do that. Visibility should be every day. We shouldn't need a month or a day or a week, but we should all be able to be proud and visible of like, just the same way I wave like my Jamaican flag, folks should be able to wave their trans flag or whatever it may be. From what I've learned about over the last maybe 10, 15 years of understanding people with their gender identity and with their orientation, it's kind of a journey. And you come into that and to come, come into truly understanding your true self. Give us a little bit of insight into your journey. So this is actually great, right? Since we're talking about visibility and visibility goes down to identity and y'all, I know you're going to ask me why is visibility important? And I just asked like 15 people why that was important. And I'm like, I can't answer that question. (laughs) And a lot of them are like, this is a difficult question for me. Right. And part of it is because, you know, I, in life, in the world, I'm a black man. And that's the first thing I'm usually thinking about. Right. Like, I was telling a friend when I was like, I don't know how to answer this question. I was saying, I wish actually that was the identity that I was thinking of right out the door, that that was the the main uh, thing. But really what it is, is thinking about, you know, my Black identity and relationship to my trans identity, how those two interact and affect one another. So it's never really separated. And I think that's why like Trans Day of Visibility is it depends on when you're asking, you know, hmm. um, and it becomes or visibility for trans people more specifically specific to my own experience. And I often joke that I'm like gay for pay because <laughs> my I, my job is I'm definitely I have a lot of skills, but people tend to be it's like, oh, he has all these skills, but then he's also trans. And this is a role for a black or trans person. Right. Where that's when it comes up more. Right. So a lot of my journey has been tied to my work. I've had the space for that journey and to be able to transition in the way that I have because of my work and the access that it's given me and the privileges that I've gained from it. And a lot of our community, they don't have that. I think like one of the things I try to get across is you have to ask us each individually what what we need because it's different. And then as far as family goes, it was interesting. I guess it was my family. My mom's really supportive. I'm a mama's boy. She spoils us all and we mean the world to her. So it's like our health is the most important. So I feel really lucky. And my family is the same way. 
if my mom, like my mom has been like, and she corrects herself, but in the past she's been like, my daughter is the best father ever. Right. You know, or something like that. Um, and then we'll fix it. Um, and there's obviously way less of that now, but I think that sometimes in community, especially, you know, I think we don't always allow that space and that space that, again, that goes into visibility, right? Because it's about our identity and that we don't all navigate these spaces the same way. So I guess what I'm saying is navigating transitioning and my family has been different than like in my chosen family that is also tied to my work. Like I've found that those things within community aren't really separated for me. And it's always a journey. I guess my mom's family, we're uh, Lenape and my father's side is Jamaican. So I say I'm first generation and every generation American. Um, <laughs> and then I have this like trans identity. And I often feel like the language, and I think it's part of that being black, being indigenous, that I use the language because it's all that I have, but it's not necessarily the language for me or that I feel my ancestors would use. So I think that's another reason why I have difficulty talking about what visibility means to me, because even sometimes within our trans community, that visibility isn't there. And I know that there are other people within the umbrella that feel that way. I know over the last few years that the trans community, particularly here in Philadelphia, but across the country as well, has faced a multitude of issues. Some of the things that you've just laid out there, there's also been the issues of violence toward black trans women, for example, What are some of the other concerns you're hearing from the trans community here in the city of Philadelphia? For me, the biggest things that I've been hearing are housing security, whether that's being housing discrimination, affordability, and which is tied into. So to me, it all ties back into money, right? Access to wealth and access to resources, uh, job security is tied right along with in that. So if we want to say employment, it's, think of uh, what is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like yep. you don't have a place to rest your head, then how are you going to think about those other things? And a lot of folks are facing housing insecurity, and, and a lot of that goes back to you know wealth. And people are always asking, you know, how can you support trans communities? I'd rather you give your money directly to a trans person or a trans-led business or a mutual aid fund than to a program that has a development team or somewhere that's going to help them to get that that money, right? I think we need to trust trans folks and Black people and any other marginalized group to know that they know what they need for themselves and that, because really what's usually stopping people is the resource to get the thing done. And I feel like they need money. We need money. So, if you can't, like there are Facebook mutual aid uh, support groups that you can donate to. If you have a social platform that you can uplift trans voices. I was talking to a coworker because I was just like, you know, I'm struggling with this one also. And she was talking about how, like from her perspective as a cis person, how, you know, social media as a platform that as cis people that they should look, learn, but not necessarily, it's not the space for them to to talk back, right? It's a space for them to learn. And I think that's a big thing is for for cis-identified people to ask us individually if we're openly identifying ourselves as a trans person to you and it's of importance, like, hey, how can can I do better? But I say, you know, listen to us and trust us and amplify us, use our, like, use your privilege and your whatever you have whenever you can. But the biggest concern is, is housing and 
access to wealth, I would say, and of course, violence can all of those things are unfortunately interconnected. I'm curious. I've always kind of gotten the impression that one very simple thing that cis people can do to acknowledge trans visibility, make people feel more comfortable is understanding and using correct pronouns, which uh, your story about your your mom made me think too. like sometimes that is hard, even for people who have the most, you know, well-meaning and like really want to to get it right. Do you have any thoughts on how we can kind of practice and get better at asking people for pronouns, using correct pronouns, especially if someone transitions and we're used to one set of pronouns and we have and transitioning into another set? Um, is there any kind of like a way we can go about retraining our brains for that kind of thing? I think the best thing to do is to model it. So like, hey, my name is Sabrina, my pronouns are she and her. Or like, Jay, I'm not sure if Jay is short for something, but that's the name that you go by, right? Like, hey, my name is Jay, my pronouns are he, him. It's not just specific to trans folks. Like a lot of us don't use the the name that I go by my middle name. And then I, I think the same goes for pronouns, just modeling. Hey, my name is Darius. My pronouns are he and him. My old setting that I worked in, I worked with like, all ages. So some people would be like, what's a pronoun? What do you mean? Or like, why you're saying that? <laughs> and they'd also be a part of the community. So it's just, you know, I think that could be the best. But then sometimes I would also say, but don't trust your judgment to model because some of us use language that people might be considered outdated. And if you go and say, use that same language that they use because you're modeling it. Does that make sense? It's probably completely inappropriate. So you kind of have to use your judgment in those situations. You know, Darius, it's hard not to be aware of the increasing amount of news we've been seeing in recent weeks against ideology or policies that might have adverse effects on members of the trans community, whether it's the don't say gay bill in Florida or how people have responded to Leah Thomas, the swimmer from Penn who won a couple national championships. How much is this on your minds and to the extent that you can speak to it, the minds of members of Philadelphia's trans community? I think... Many of us, it's an even, okay, so even with that, right, because earlier we were talking about what the main needs are within our community and what support we need. A lot of us are not actually following, like, or think about it, who is following these? Who are the voices that we're hearing behind these issues? Are they the groups of people that are even further marginalized within the community? Because yes, sports, women in sports, that's important. Legislation and how it affects us all. I'm more concerned with trying to figure out housing and getting financial resources to our community here in Philadelphia that for me, I'm not even able to think about our larger advocacy work. And I work for a nonprofit. We support legislation when it comes by, but and we would love to do more, but we are a small program that we don't, we don't have the capacity and a lot of places don't. So that might, for me, that looks like so sometimes it means like picking a lane and staying in it, right? Like we all have these areas of expertise. How do we uplift each other to uplift our community and to better, you know, pull together these resources? So we have those as our experts. We work closely with the city, the Office of LGBTQ Affairs uh, with Selena Morrison and Eric Larson to support them in their initiatives. And they're always supporting the center and things we do. So there are, before we have our showing 
our premiere on Thursday, we'll be working or attending their rally and call to action at the flag raising on Thursday and then prevention meets fashion. So it's really working together and utilizing. So prevention meets fashion is HIV advocacy so that we can meet all the areas, but also just like hone in on our expertise. So I think that's the thing that we can do. So the city is helping us, these other organizations working together. So knowing that we can't do this siloed and that's how we're, and that we're not, uh, we are working together as a city. We have folks working on those more national things, but I think right now, at least the focus of the Trans Resource Center is to one, prioritizing black and brown folks. That's the first thing we're doing. Then all of our trans folks and our needs around housing insecurity and access to wealth, um, which has looked like a few different things. So Darius, how can people find out more about what's happening with the Trans Resource Center and how could people even possibly help? So if you want to find out more about the Trans Resource Center, you can, of course, go to our, our page on the William Way website. You can follow us on Instagram. It's at WayGayTRC. If you want to donate, there's a page uh, on the larger William Way website, and you could just uh, make the dedication to the Trans Resource Center or the Trans Empowerment Fund, something indicating that it's for there. I think a way of helping the Trans Resource Center also would be to go to like mutual aid groups on like Philly Facebook groups for cutie pock trans folks and make donations to those anonymous donations because a lot of times those are the places I'm looking when I try to support. And of course, you know, a business is more or an organization, we have more constraints than a person that wants to make a donation. But whenever you can directly support our community, that's supporting the Arcella Adams Trans Resource Center. Darius, thank you so much for coming on with us today and talking about this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was nice to meet you all. Now, you can learn more about the William Way Center and what they're doing to celebrate the trans community, not just tomorrow, but all year round by checking out the links in our show notes below. Again, we thank Darius McLean for joining us today. And that's it for your Wednesday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. Thanks for getting over the hump with us on this Wednesday. We'll see you again on Thursday. 